Um, well, hello, my name is Tom DeWitt. I'm the main guy behind TDW and the singer and one of the main songwriters for Dreamwalkers Inc. And you're listening to The Procast. Welcome back to another episode of the broadcast and calling from the Netherlands is Tom. Hello. Long time no see. <laughs> In, indeed, way too long. Like it's, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how it was with you, but like that one weekend where we were supposed to be seeing each other, I was just like twitchy all weekend. Like something's missing. This is yeah. not right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was trying to uh, ignore it to to keep myself occupied for our listeners we are talking of course uh, about the first weekend of october where uh we used to see each other every year for proc power europe yep. uh, the last years but obviously as you all know that couldn't be this year but uh we don't want to dwell on 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 on, on sad things that w that wouldn't be um no of course of course not but <laughs> but it's still it, it's it's just odd if you're used to seeing a certain set of people at a specific time frame every year and you're kind of looking forward to it and then it's like no <laughs> now i miss those people yeah. that, you know, that that was what it was absolutely tom you have a brand new album coming up um and of course we want to know all about it okay. for our listeners maybe you can start uh, for our listeners who don't know about you yet uh, and and what you've done so far maybe you can uh, give a quick rundown what you've been up to up until now with with various uh, musical project maybe <laughs> maybe You, you don't have to go in de into detail. But yeah, it's like, how quick do you... Like this is, <laughs> it's, it's like, okay, let's start with the hardest question. Can you tell us what you did? Uh, okay, well, um, first, first things first, I've um, I've been making music under the name of uh, TDW for... Uh, well, actually, I was 14 years old. I'm 33 now. So basically, that's almost 20 years at this point. And uh, I've released multiple solo albums, all in the progressive metal uh, style, with a lot, with a good dosage of symphonic influences, and also uh, there's modern metal in there. there. There's like all sorts of genres basically colliding into one another, and that's why I call it progressive metal, because that kind of covers the the basis the best. Um, mm -hmm. Next to that, I am the uh, frontman and uh, lead singer for Dreamwalkers Inc. And that's what is funny is Dreamwalkers Inc. originally started out as the live band to perform my TDW music. And that was in 2016. But over the years, the band Dreamwalkers Inc. kind of evolved into its own thing. So now Dreamwalkers Inc. is a band in itself. And we're also writing material with that. So it's kind of funny how something that came from one thing has become a completely different thing altogether. <laughs> um, next to that, I have uh, I'm the main guy behind the label Layered Reality Productions. I release progressive uh, symphonic and avant-garde music worldwide through that label. Um, that label basically started out as my own way to release my own music, and I never really had the ambition to make it anything bigger. But over time, more bands started joining, and it just became this bigger thing. And now it's uh, it's it's one, actually an achievement I'm rather proud of, and it's, it's just great to see how many bands are joining. So that's really cool. And um, finally, my day job slash my income is that I have my own studio, the Imagineering Suite, and I produce audio, video, and web design there. And obviously, by having that in my house, 
I'm able to also produce my own music and um, get all the content out that you hear today. Yeah, spe speaking of which, speaking of your own music, the new album, The Days the Clock Stopped, is uh, dropping on December 4th, right? Yes, December 4th, yeah, the Friday. Yes, mm -hmm. uh, this episode is going to drop uh, the Monday before, probably. Hopefully. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and uh, I have heard, I, I just listened to The Days the Clock Stopped for the very first time. It's mm -hmm. a, an epic listen, um, of course, and yeah, I think it's safe to say this is a very, very special and very personal record for you. Absolutely, um, yeah. So before we dive into the music, um, could you tell us where what it's all about? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, well, it's, uh, it, it's not... It's interesting because I've obviously told this story a few times now, like multiple interviews, etc., and with the al making the album. But it, every time that I start talking about it, there's still this slight hesitation. But that's because it's so personal. But at the same time, I'm like, ah, fuck it. I shouldn't have made an album if I didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, the thing is, uh, for uh, just to be very, uh, very clear on that, I um, went through a pretty severe uh, medical situation when I was 19 years old, and I've spent three years of my life between my 19 and my 22nd uh, year, mostly in hospitals. I um, am an ostomy patient. I have a handicapped body with um, a lot of scars and broken stuff on there due to all that that happened back then. I had a bowel disease called colitis ulcerosa, and um, that's it's, it's related to Crohn's disease. Some people might know that. And um, the thing is that Basically, they removed my colon, and I now have an ostomy. And uh, for those of you who don't know, you should you can Google it. It's a lot of scientific mumbo jumbo. But um, that experience, the experience of being in the hospital and and basically fighting my own mortality because my body was sick and dying on me, literally, was obviously very formative uh, for me. And a lot of people know me now as you know the guy that does a lot of work, that runs the label, that has all the bands and all the stuff that I do. But I would say that without that experience, like I was already making stuff when I was younger and I've already had quite a life before I got sick. I was already very creative and active, etc. But I think that those days, the days that the album describes, the days the clock stopped, were very important to me and showing to me what is important in my life and what I should be dedicating my uh, time and energy to. And music obviously is one of those things. That's why I've released five solo albums before this one, after I got so sick. I think in that sense, it's like um, with this album, I'm finally in a way coming out, like, you know, like saying, okay, yes, this is me, I'm broken and all this stuff has happened to me, but that's also why I'm here now and why I'm able to do the things that I do and have the musical career that I have, weirdly enough. And the album's dark. The album is a pretty dark ride, um, not necessarily in the I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure. There there were some people saying that it was really dark music and others actually thought it was pretty light, but that the lyrics were very dark. I don't know. It's all personal to everybody, obviously. But it is a pretty dark ride in terms of that I'm literally describing what I felt like lying in the hospital bed, dying. Like there are songs that literally describe my body failing on me and what kind of pain I felt, etc. And that is obviously not an easy subject to talk about or to tackle in that sense. But it is, I noticed that by making the record, 
I needed a few years. Well, I needed 11 years to finally release it, obviously. But um, making it was scary and cathartic at the same time, in a way. Can't imagine that. Yeah, but wh why now? Why? <laughs> well, that, that's yeah. It's it's funny because um, there were a few people saying like, "Oh yeah, okay. Now that the pandemic's happening, now you're releasing an album about this." And the worst part is there is no preconceived thought behind that because. I was working on this album since 2017, actually. I, I started working on this back then, and I was just kind of honing the ideas. And actually in 2019, after we did the, um, the live show for Dreamwalkers Inc. that we released earlier this year, we released a live album, and that after we played that show, that was actually the moment I was like, I really should do something with this clock stop concept. Like, like this has been so, it's been here all this time, and it's kind of been talking to me in the back of my head. So I really should make this record because apparently this needs to come out now. But that was like August last year. You know what I mean? It's like that, then I was yeah. already doing everything. And then obviously when COVID hit us in, in March, well, at least in the Netherlands, it hit in March properly. Um, Same here in Germany. Yeah, it's, it's like I, I know that we all I know for the Netherlands and Germany, there's some there's obviously some things connecting there, but not mo every country has their own little time frame on that. But when that lockdown happened, it was weirdly enough, I was already in the middle of producing this record. I literally had the record all, already done. I was just waiting for some guest solos. So, but but it was kind of like the, the lockdown happening felt like, okay, this is weirdly prophetic. You know, like like we're now in, in, in this situation that we have to talk about medical things <laughs> and that everyone is now thinking about these things and now I'm making an album about this. What the fuck, you know, how, how is that working out? But I, I can say, and this is recorded now, I had no preconceived notion of this happening <laughs> because, you know, it's, it's just really a mighty coincidence. Let's put it that way. All right. Looking at the, the lineup of musicians that you assembled for this album, it's a pretty comprehensive list. Uh, maybe you, you, you could walk us through some of your guests or your the friends that helped you make this album musically absolutely absolutely yeah it's um i mean i mean the, the thing is that um with my other albums for the i mean i can imagine there's some people here who never heard a tdw record before and maybe some did i always work with guest musicians and that's because i um i mean i write the music myself in the basis so i play the rhythm guitars i um, do the lead vocals. I, I basically, and I program everything that I cannot play properly. So it's like by now, if my body could do what my brain wants me to do, then I would, you know, want to be able to play every instrument on an extremely high level. And, you know, it's like what, what often happens, this is something that's a bit candid, but it is the truth. I've had many situations in bands that people were saying, oh, your drawer plays such amazing parts. And that I would be like, you know, I would still be giving them the credit for doing it, but I was still the guy writing the parts. You know what I mean? It's like I would literally just tell them what to do and then people would like the drumming. Um, so by now with the programming, etc., I would be able to make the whole album myself. And what I did is I made the album in a form that it was like pre-production ready. So you could just listen to the whole thing. And then I was thinking, OK, who do I do I need other people for this? Because originally, because it's so personal, I was actually pondering maybe not inviting anybody and just really let, doing it all myself and just, you know. But I kind of came back from that after working on the Dreamwalkers Inc. live album because I worked with Rich Gray, uh, formerly Rich Hinks, for those of you who might not know the Rich Gray name yet. But 
um, because Rich helped with the mastering of the DreamWalkers Inc. record, and we had a great connection. And he was like, look, man, if, if you want to do something else, we can we can work together on multiple things. And then he he just, he uh, said that he wanted to do the mastering for the album, and then I asked him, would you like to play bass on it as well? Because obviously, I, I think the bass guitar is still, in, even in this day and age, it's an underappreciated instrument, and I, I like having good bass players around me. Absolutely, you know? I, I agree with you on that. Yeah. So having a guy like Rich, who obviously is a fucking beast, you know, so th th that that lifted the production up uh, just just so much because you could hear in his playing that it was far, far more lively and far more uh, creatively inspiring. And um, it was actually through um, a friend of mine, Edith, Edith van der Veer, who also sings in the choir. She's my vocal teacher, believe it or not. She's a soprano who I asked to sing in the choir because I wanted to have those big choir vocals. And obviously you need a lot of different voices for that. And she said, hey, my husband, Yenko, is a great cello player and he would love to do more with metal because he's like in the classical scene, but he never, you know, he wanted to get into the metal scene, but he just didn't know how to start. So she was like, if, and I had a, had a lot of cello parts on the record. So she was like, well, I could ask if Yenko's interested. Well, she asked and he immediately went like, fuck yeah, you know, he really wanted to do it. So suddenly I had like a good bass player, I had a cello player. And the drummer was actually the last part because I would do the vocal, the vocals, the rhythm guitars and the synths and the orchestrations myself. And I had the drums still programmed and I couldn't find the right drummer. And that's not because there's no good drummers around me, but it was just that uh, everyone I was asking didn't have time. It, it, it was just very frustrating. I asked like four guys like, hey, can you do this thing? We have a few months, you know, yada, yada. And they were like, yeah, no, man, I would love to, but I can't. It was like, Fuck my karma, you know, how, how am I going to do this? And um, it was Rich who said, hey, I'm playing in this band called Annihilator and Fabio. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> obviously it didn't go like that, but, but he, um, but, yeah, a small band, you might have heard of him. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, Annihilator. But um, but he was like, yeah, you know, I play with Fabio and Annihilator and Fabio's really good. And he actually wants to try some different stuff. So I could pitch it to him and see if it's to his liking, and then we can check what works. And Fabio was also immediately excited. He was like, oh, this is such a diverse record, and I can, because because Fabio loves, I don't want to badmouth bad anyone, he loves drumming for Annihilator, but with Annihilator, you're obviously playing thrash metal, you know? So there's a pretty, yeah, there's like a pretty neat square you got to fit into to play that. And with this record, I was like, well, I want this to sound jazzy. I want this to be a blast beat. I want this, you know, it's like there was like a million things that he could do. And yeah, he was, he, he just really went ham on it. And the, the best part, that's why I, why I would recommend Fabio to everybody. He learned the whole album and recorded it in two weeks. Not two bad. weeks. And I did not have to tweak anything. Like the parts I got from him, I literally just put into the album. There was no additional production needed. It was ridiculously tight. Like, this is real. I, I was listening to this like, this is real? <laughs> like, no, I, know, I know drummers who are really good, but they would still need some quantizing to get that, you know, that kind of tightness. And he just did it. So that was pretty, pretty ridiculous. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and regarding, obviously, there, there's this whole list of guest soloists, which, um, I mean, like, I got names like, well, Marcos, Marcos Fogli is obviously a pretty big one that a lot of people know for his work with James Labrie, um, Daniel Magdic from Prehistoric Animals, Kun Romain from Heide Vulcan Detonation, Chris Zupa from Terra Maze, and a, a guy like Andy Kravliacha from Bioplan, for instance. Like, all these people um, kind of 
live in obviously we all live in the prog world and the prog world isn't that big so a lot of musicians <laughs> know true. one another and yeah and and for example i still think it's funny that one the best story in this regard like most of them i just shot an email and send them the song and like hey do you like playing on this would you like to uh would you like to be a part of it and they all said yes so that was <laughs> i mean that's not a very exciting story but that's literally how it went <laughs> but what i think the best story is is daniel magdich because um, obviously his stint with Pain of Salvation, those first two albums, you know, that stuff inspired me. And I remember that Prehistoric Animals played a prior. I really liked their show. And it was the last night at the castle. And at that last night, there's always that moment that people start bringing in beer because we kind of have to empty it out because it's the last night and they brought way too much. So I remember being like, this is great. This is the best night ever. <laughs> you know, it was a bit like that. And suddenly, Daniel and and uh, and the other guys come walking in, and um, they sit down. And I was I would not I was not inebriated at that point, but I was. It was just a very nice atmosphere. Like I hear of a beer, gave him a beer. He sat down, and we just started talking. And then at a certain point, after a few beers, I mustered up the courage to say, "Can I be a horrible fanboy?" And ask you about pain of salvation stuff because you know it's like that. Sorry, but yeah, you know, like my 14-year-old me demands to ask about this. And he was actually very cool about that. And, and we had a great chat. And that was the moment that I also told him, like, hey, if, if I ever have a song that might fit your style, would you be, you know, would you be willing to do that? But at that point, I was like, hey, if I ever sorry fit style, would you? You know, it was a bit like that. But I think he was a bit like that as well. The next day, we both bumped into one another, and we were both giggling like, wow, we were so fucked up last night. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. It's like one of the few rock and roll stories I have. Like, yeah, I asked the Swedish guitarist to play my record. Well, drunk. <laughs> it was good stuff. Yeah. Um really amazing cast of musicians there on your album um going back to your to 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 the writing process and mm -hmm. to the songwriting i mean we 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 touched fairly on the subject of the of the subject <laughs> of, yeah, of, of, of the yeah, theme yeah, yeah. um yeah musically speaking uh, wh what would you say where where do you take your inspirations musically from mostly mm, i would say um Actually, my writing process tends to be that with a lot of songs, and um, it's always been the case, it's like I have an idea of what a song should be about, and that idea could either be like the concept of the lyrics, or it could be, it could literally just be, I want to write a ballad because I have a piano in my head. You know, for some reason, there's a piano in my head, and I have to write that, and that's the song. Um like that is literally what happened with Sleepless Angels, for instance. Like I just had that piano thingy and I just had that. And I literally had that piano thingy. Here's a fun nugget. From the time I was in the hospital, I wrote that on a crappy laptop I brought with me back then in Reason, I believe, like a really old music program. That piano thingy has been with me for so long. And I think I made like five demos of that before just kind of shelving it and thinking, whatever, it's just not going anywhere. And when I was writing this record, suddenly I was like halfway through, I felt like it needed one song as a bit of a breather because there's a lot of intense metal stuff going on with a lot of switches. And suddenly I rediscovered that piano. I was like, hey, this, okay, 
yeah you know like <laughs> like suddenly it clicked but it's kind of funny how an idea could can click with you suddenly after nine years and then not listening to it for a few years um so that's one way and i think the the thing with me is like i always tend to say that all the songs that i write all the music that i write all the ideas that i have are already there it's either in oh it's either in the cosmos or in my subconscious or whatever but i sit down and when i know that i'm in the right in the right mood for it it just flows it just kind of comes out and um for example clock stop 2 the the 9 minute epic which is mostly about my youth and about the war inside my head uh, those nine minutes were written in one day. That that just that that just happened. Like I just knew that 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 that, that needed to come, and it was like, bloop. and obviously it's not as de- it wasn't the first version. Obviously, is not as detailed as the final version is because you start layering and you start adding solos and whatnot. But the structure of a song can literally happen in a few hours with me sometimes. So it's really diverse. And um, yeah, musically, inspirationally. Is there are there any bands that you admire and 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 try to take some influences from well, consciously I mean, or subconsciously? Yeah, so yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I think well, I, I mean it's like by now and obviously the judges are out on this. I've got to see reviews and see what people think. Uh, over the years, it's like everyone who starts writing progressive metal music kind of has this, oh, this has Dream Theater influences, you know what I mean? It's like a lot of young bands have that because obviously they're the biggest band and a lot of people start with that band, so eh. Um, but to be fair, for the last couple of years, if I'm looking at what I've been listening to just and what inspired me, I would say, well, Between the Bird and Me is a big one. That's definitely a band that inspires me a lot, but I know my music isn't as frantic as theirs is by far. Um, but at the same time, Yeah, I don't know. It, it really ranges from there's the classics, like there's Queen, there's Genesis, there's Toto, there's uh, there's Pink Floyd, there's all these bands, obviously. But then there's also stuff, like I said, Between the Bird and Me, Veil of Maya, Protest the Hero. Um, I'm actually, um, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty. I, I still listen to the Fallujah record, like The Flesh Prevails, that's one that I often play. Vervum, you know, like there's, it really ranges from prog rock to tech death to... Um, well, actually, I had like Schubert sonatas on earlier today as well. <laughs> nice. You know, it's like there, there's just there's influences from all over the place, and I, I think that I used to say, you know, like the first bands I started out with, obviously, were like Dream Theater, Symphony X, Pain of Salvation. But if you look at what I'm playing now, music, what I'm writing now, you probably still hear parts of that in there. You'll never really get rid of that. But I would say that what I'm doing now is far less in-depth to that and far more in-depth to that whole pool of influences that I'm kind of throwing together now. Yeah, being familiar with your earlier output or, or with some of some of the stuff that you released in the last years, mm-hmm. um, as I said, I just listened to, to the album and... and <laughs> I'm so sorry for that experience <laughs> in one go. <laughs> well, 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 that's how, an, how I think an album is uh, no, no, supposed to be experienced, abso- right? Absolutely, but, but it's like, I, I, it's one of those things, like, I agree, you should listen to it in one go because then it is the whole ride. <laughs> but it is a heavy ride. You, know, like, you might want to get a disclaimer or something. Like, okay, <laughs> this is happening now. So yeah, but for me, the... A surprising thing happened at the 10th track, Clock Stop Inside okay. Four. In mm-hmm. the beginning, I was like, 
whoa, is this Riverside? You suddenly sounded totally like Mariusz. I've had, oh man, that fucking comparison, Jesus! And I, I didn't think... didn't uh, expect that from you because uh, you know I'm 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 used to all this symphonic uh, metal stuff from you, so which is that also was, there. That, yeah. yeah, of course it's on that album, but that's that was kind of a new side that I well, it, discovered it, it... there. <laughs> First two I did in 2008 and 2011. Um, there was far more of that Riverside kind of stuff on there because um, obviously I sing in a baritone range. And when you sing in a, well, non-tenor range in Prague, then there's not a lot of people to be compared to. So like the two comparisons that I would always hear were in the beginning, especially where Marius Duda and Mike Baker from Shadow Gallery. And those were the two that I would get all the time. You know, it's like, oh, it sounds like Marius Duda. It's like, Yeah, I like, and don't get me wrong, I like Riverside, I really do. Um, although I also have to be shameless and say that I like their first four albums. And then I kind of stopped listening to them. And not because I didn't like it or whatever, but my, my tastes just kind of gravitated to different things. But I, it's I funny have to that, agree you know, with it. It's actually the same for me. Okay, yeah, but because <laughs> I do really adore those albums, actually. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, And and uh, Rapid Eye Movement, for example, that record, I've listened to that so many times. And if someone would ask me to sing Ultimate Trip, I could I could literally just start now and sing the whole 12 minutes for you. You know, no problem. It's all in my head somewhere. For, for, for me, that would be Second Life Syndrome. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which is which. Well, that song, right? Like that very song. That was my introduction to Riverside. Well, like, my, my, my introduction to Riverside, I actually uh, told my introduction to Riverside to Mariusz when I had him on the broadcast ah, a couple okay, of weeks yeah, ago. Yeah. Um, that was actually when, when Out of Myself came out and I went to the record store and put the CD in the CD player there where you can, could try. Mm -hmm. and then, and the, so I was skipping through the CD and... And uh, what the, the the point where I said, okay, I need to buy the CD now was um, the the Reality Dream 2, I think. Um, instrumental? With, yeah, with a keyboard. Oh, yeah. It's a really good record, yeah. Absolutely. That was the... That was yeah, the kicker. The that, kicker. That was the moment you're like, okay, <laughs> shut up and take my money. <laughs> But that was exactly that like, moment. Just, just, I mean, so, for that response, it's like my response when someone again compares me to someone like Marius, it's like, I don't mind at all. And I, I don't know Marius. He, I hear that he's a lovely guy. And, and I, I, I believe that to the fullest because judging on the music, the, the music that they do sounds very honest and very real. And, and I think they're very real guys. And it's, it's just funny that at a certain point, you know, you hear that same comparison, like, hundreds of times like yeah okay do i also sound like me guys or uh, <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> Stuff like that. but no but i think um in in a way i think the clock stop four song actually especially with that whole intro there's also there is some nods to devin in there in a way as well you know like the end of music and and that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um, that I wanted to try to see what would happen if I would just... Be, because the album has multiple moments where I try to break things down to the core and then build it up again. And um, that song is the ultimate example because it's literally like... It is actually the Phil Collins drum kit from In The Air Tonight. <laughs> it is literally that one. I wanted to have that sound. And then it's just my voice. 
you know, so it's that's like the smallest that I've ever made something. And then obviously the bass joins in and it grows and it grows and then it explodes into that riff. And I, I think, I mean, the Riverside comparison makes sense, but I also had someone go like, well, you just wanted to cover Devin now? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> because he also did that drum beat and vocal thing in the end of music, I believe. Well, to, 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 be, to be fair, I up until that point, I, I never... Um, I never thought you sounded like someone else. You always sounded like you for me. Um, so that was that. That, that, that was the first uh, time that you actually reminded of another singer. <laughs> yeah, but that, that, and to be fair, I, I actually um, I think that my blessing and my curse, in that sense, is that. Um, like, this is going to sound really weird when I say that about myself, but I'm, the, the point that I'm trying to make is less about, oh, look at me being good, but more like something that I've noticed over the years. It's like, I sound like me when I sing, you know, when, when I do the things that I do. And there's people who latch on to that, which is great. And I love you all. And <laughs> it's, it's amazing. But there's also people who hate my voice with a passion because it's so specific, you know, because it's like, I, I don't. Yeah, it's not a middle-of-the-road type of standard thing. And I have people thrashing me, like, pfft, humongously for the way I sing and, and, you know, the way I the way I write the songs and whatnot. But at the same time, I'm like, well, I think if you elicit any response with what you do, prefer to have a positive one, obviously, but, you know, if you... Even if someone's saying, yeah, I really don't like this because I don't like you... Or the thing that you do, then weirdly enough, that's also kind of still a compliment because it's like, well, then I at least sound like myself, you know, and I don't sound, yeah, then I don't sound like someone else's ripoff or whatever, you know. So there's something to be said for that, I guess. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. All right, the days the clock stopped is out on December 4th on your own label, Layered Reality Production, of course. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know, but at the end of our shows of our episode we have the little walkman section what's in your walkman <laughs> what what's did, in my walkman? What, what what have you listened to lately um uh, <laughs> well actually i mean it's like the worst part is this is going to sound like a commercial so please don't take it as a commercial but i've actually the two things that i've been listening to most lately is and that's both work and pleasure is avandra's new release you know skylighting And Soul Secret's new album, Blue Light Cage, because those were the two that obviously were promoting with Layered Reality Productions. But um, I also just really like listening to them. <laughs> you know, I think they're really <laughs> solid records. So those were like the two albums that have been going on repeated plays in my stereo when I was either doing website work or whatever. Um, and yeah, besides that, I've just been listening to a lot of YouTube, like I t I'm, I'm actually pretty much a YouTube user. Like I have a lot of physical media and I love putting on CDs as well. Don't get me wrong. But, um, in that sense, I love using YouTube to find new prog stuff because there's a lot of lists and people sharing, uh, new bands and whatnot. Um, so for example, I also rediscovered Xanthrocroid recently, which, uh, my friend Patrick from France once, uh, once told me that was really good. And that's like weird black metal prog avant-garde hybrid stuff which is also really cool so yeah I've, i've kind of been all over the place but i would say the two records like the 
the Soul Secret record and the Avandra record were the two that I kept coming back to the last couple of weeks. Yeah, actually, as we record this, the Avandra record is gonna be out uh, in two days from now as we record this. Yeah, and I just listened to it for the first time also today. Um, before I listened to the days the clock stopped, and uh, yeah, I really liked it. And I also wrote it down for my, as one of my entries for the for the Walkman section today mm. for this episode. Um, also tying in with your label, Layered Reality Productions, uh, there were, of course, a couple of more releases this year, mm -hmm. and uh, two that I especially enjoyed, especially also with the video that came with it, was uh, Perspex Cassidy from Bioplan. Ah, yes, yes, yes. And uh, <laughs> the other one was not... Uh, the, like Perspex Cassidy was uh, like... Uh, A couple of months ago already, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had Ingress. That was the first one, Ingress, and uh, Perspex Cassidy was the second video. Yeah, yeah. and uh, but but the other one that was uh, a little bit closer to now, uh, not uh, so far in the past. Uh, I I remember. Uh, I I will have to look uh, to watch it again, actually. But I remember. I I, th I thought it was really. Uh, yeah. Unique is uh, Bean Paste by Edek. Oh yeah, I, yeah. Oh man, yeah. That that was that was also a song that we were very hyped about. Yeah, it's it it was fun because Idek is, they are, um, you know, I've signed them. They are with my label, and still there's parts of them I will never understand. <laughs> and, and I think that that is also exactly why I like them so much. It's um, Matthew, actually, the guitar player for IDEC, is also a guest on the TDW record. He plays a solo on one of the songs. And I think that these guys, the three of them, they create such a unique, weird brand of groovy, yet at the same time, really angular music that, that really works really well. And I, I know that what is funny is um, the connection with the band in that sense, that Musik, the singer and bass player, used to be the guitar player for Mindsoul, my former band. Ah. So, you know, so so it's like I knew him already. And when I saw Idek in their old lineup at Complexity Fest, that was like three years ago, they just blew me away. Like that, I didn't I hadn't signed them yet at that point, but people just kept saying, you got to check out Idek. This is this weird, bogus band that does happy polka <laughs> moments. And then it that, goes that, that, all of that, a sudden. That, that sounds very much like a Complexity band. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's like they, they were and I saw them then. And what I saw then was like, This is amazing. <laughs> like, why aren't these guys signed signed with anyone yet? So I signed their old lineup, actually. You know, like when they were still with a five piece, and then two of the guys left, and they decided, okay, do we really need to continue in the way we did, or can we maybe use this to start again? And so they did. So they actually took the older songs, rewrote them to be as a three piece, and now they're doing it as a power trio. And I think it's pretty impressive what they're able to create sound wise with just three guys. It's pretty ridiculous. Finally, tying mm -hmm. in with your description of an impressive power trio, today, as we're recording this, actually the new Dirty Loops EP Phoenix dropped, and I can't wait to listen to it now. Um, oh. So that would be my final uh, pick for the Walkman section. Tom, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. We, it's, it's been far too long that we uh, haven't really talked or seen each other. Um, Absolutely. So... 
it was on air this time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like people tend people tend to think like like how much of this is orchestrated. It's like none because this is literally how we normally talk. It's just that it was recorded now. You know that's. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no. But I, I I loved it, man. Thank you for having me. And um, yeah, for everyone listening, um, if, if the just one final pitch, there's at this point in time, like right now that we're recording it, not yet. But from next week onward, there's two music videos you can check out for free on YouTube. It's quite confrontational stuff, and there might be some uh, epilepsy warnings in place here and there. But if you want to know what the music's about, you can check it out there. It's not unheard of in metal uh, and rock uh, uh, environments to have flashy lights. I would say. Yeah, and what, in, in this in this case, it's also flashy imagery, and and in one of the videos. Uh, I, I I don't know if you've seen it, but when we when we released the Greg video, I got a few people responding like, "Holy shit, you're naked!" I'm like, "I'm not <laughs> naked. Calm the fuck down." <laughs> I'm still wearing boxers, people. Come on, you know it's not that bad. Oh well, but um, that was funny. <laughs> All right, Tom, let's wrap this up. It was a great yeah. uh, fun chat as always. For our listeners, thanks for listening as always, and. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your loved ones. And we love you. We, we lo to love great you. Music. We love you with all of our hearts and whatever we have, we can love with. <laughs> the Progcast is a production of Stuus Media and is presented by the Prague Space. It is produced by Randy M. Salo, Janine Stengel Lewis, Blake Lewis, and Dario Albrecht. Our theme music is by This Is Not an Elephant, and Van Kirsch does our graphics. New episodes of the podcast drop every Monday and Thursday. And don't miss our Friday Top 5 episode where we discuss our favorite new releases from that week. For more interviews and reviews in the written form, check out theprogspace.com. <laughs>